0: Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome to week three of our Seven Marks of a Disciple uh, you hear a lot about discipleship in this church, or if you don't, you're not listening closely because we're trying to talk about it a lot in this church. We want to be disciples who make disciples. We want to be people who follow Jesus and encourage those around us to follow Jesus. And of course, it begs the question then what's a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple if you're trying to teach everyone to be disciples? What does that look like? So we're going through sort of these seven aspects, these seven marks of people who follow Jesus. And so today, number three is not going to surprise any of you. It's one of the obvious ones. It's prayer, that that people who follow Christ are people who pray. And I don't know if you noticed in the last two sermons, I've actually spent a good deal of time trying to convince you that this is important trying to convince you that reading your Bible is important, trying to convince you that being in community, that you have a role to play, that these things are important. I don't think I need to convince anyone that prayer is important. In fact, I doubt I need to convince anyone that, that, that you ought to be praying. I bet if we just randomly went out into all the churches in Dunwoody and grabbed some people as they came out of the service and said, you know, are you happy with your prayer life? Do you feel like you, you pray enough? I bet most people would say, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I definitely could pray again. And I can't think of a better reason to say that we should be people of prayer except that, that Jesus was. Jesus, God the Son, spent time praying to God the Father. Jesus, who was God as a man, still regularly spent time praying. Mark, the book of Mark, first chapter, 30, verse 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And that wasn't a one-off for him. Luke 5, 16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew to solitary places and prayed. That was normal in the life of Jesus, that he went away and prayed. And Jesus said stuff like, I don't say anything but what my father tells me to say. I don't do anything but what my father tells me to do. If a guy who is that connected to God That he only spoke and did the things that God told him to. If that guy felt like he needed to go off every day and pray, how much more do we? Prayer is a mark of a disciple of Christ. And fortunately, Jesus tells us how to pray. You know, it's the Lord's Prayer. It's this very famous passage of Scripture. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 is one of the two places that records the Lord's Prayer. If you're using one of the Bibles that's under the seat in front of you, it's on page 721. So I'm going to read the first 13 verses where his disciples ask him, how do we pray? Like, okay, yes, definitely, we should be praying. How do we do that? What does that look like? So read with me the first 13 verses of Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, People want to know how to pray. I want to know how to pray. I bet you want to know how to pray. And they come to Jesus and they ask him. And this, if you if you recognize this, you probably think, wait a minute, we're missing something. Because there's another version of it in the book of Matthew, chapter six, which is longer. Jesus does the same thing. He says, when you pray, pray like this, only he adds some more things. Which is kind of interesting. Like obviously he doesn't mean for this just to be like, oh, repeat these words, because the words are different, the two different times we have it recorded. He taught on prayer more than once. He said some different things. He's giving us a pattern of what prayer should look like. So what are the things that Jesus tells us to pray? Well, most of this prayer is stuff I bet you're praying already. If you look at verses three and four, I bet you are doing all this now. Jesus is speaking in another language in another time. It sounds different than the way we would say it. But verse three says, give us each day our daily <clears throat> our daily bread. He's praying for today. What do we need today? Don't we all do that? Don't we all come to God and say, I have this need, this is happening. Help me here. I have a need here. Jesus tells us to pray for today. Pray for what you need today. I bet we are all doing that. If you're a follower of Christ, heck, even if you're not, you're probably talking to God at some point saying, I need this today. Yeah, Jesus says, absolutely, you should do that. Look at the next one, verse four. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sinned against us. We're praying about yesterday. The stuff that we already did that we didn't do well. The stuff that we messed up. The stuff where we know we should have done this or we shouldn't have done that and we did or we didn't. Jesus says, you should definitely pray about those things. You know, you can't go back. If I said I'd meet you for lunch yesterday and I forgot and didn't come, I can't go back and meet you for lunch yesterday. What I need is forgiveness. I need for it to be taken care of. I need for it to be covered. Jesus says, those things that happened yesterday where you know you messed up, absolutely you should pray about them. Father, forgive me. Forgive us our sins. And notice he adds a caveat to it. Forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This is the golden rule. you probably heard of the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated, And Jesus is reiterating it here. If I say to God, Lord, I messed this up back. I messed this up yesterday. I I did this wrong or I should have done this and I didn't do it, whatever it is. Lord, will you take care of that? Will you forgive that? Will you cover over that? You know, we have things in our past that we do not want flooding into our present. We want them to be forgiven, to be covered, to be taken care of. If we're gonna ask God to treat us that way, then we should treat other people the same way. Treat other people the way you wanna be treated. How do I wanna be treated about the things I messed up in the past? I want them to be forgiven. I want God to take care of them. I want him to forgive them. Well, scripture says God is very happy to do that. Scripture says God loves doing that. He is delighted to forgive. It is one of the things that he is super excited about. He wants to forgive so that we can be with him, but he expects us to do the same thing. If he's going to treat us this way, because we ask him to, then he would like us to treat other people that way because they've messed stuff up in the past as well, just like we have. Father, forgive us our sins and give us some courage so we can forgive other people when they've sinned against us. Jesus says, absolutely, pray for your stuff in the present. Pray for your stuff in the past. Look at the end of verse four. Lead us not into temptation. Pray for the future. Those things that are worrying you, those places you're afraid you're going to trip up, those things out there that you think, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know how to, how I'm going to do something about this. Jesus says, absolutely ask God to intervene in those. Lead us not into temptation. That thing I messed up yesterday, I don't want to mess it up tomorrow. Lord, you need, you need to help me. Help me go down a different road, help me in a different direction, a different path. Pray for tomorrow, Jesus says. Absolutely. Pray for your needs today. Pray for the things you messed up tomorrow. Pray for the stuff you're the things you messed up yesterday and pray for the stuff you're worried about tomorrow. That sounds like my prayers. I bet it sounds like yours. That's what we're asking God to do. Help me, I have these needs today. Help me, I messed this up. Help me, I'm worried about this coming up. Like what Jesus tells us to pray, look at this. Jesus' prayer is three verses long and I'm willing to bet you've already got two of them down. So you are two thirds of the way there. That that is outstanding. There's just one more verse we gotta talk about in the prayer itself and that's the first one. Notice how Jesus starts in verse two. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now that's really interesting. You think about all the different ways in Scripture that God is addressed. God is a master and we are servants. God is a father and we are children. God is a Lord, we are subjects. God is a God and we are worshipers. There's all these different relationships that we could use. We could come to God like employees to employer. We could come to God like servant to master, petitioning him. Jesus says, when you pray, who are you praying to? You're not praying to your Lord. You're not praying to your God. You're not praying to your deity, your master, your employer. Although all those things are true. He is all those things. Jesus says, when you pray, you address God as father. You are not a servant coming to a master. You're not an employee coming to an employer. You're a child coming to a father. Now I want you to imagine that you go on vacation to London and you find out that the queen is in residence in Buckingham Palace. So you go up to the front gate and you talk to the guard and you tell them, I loved the crown. I want to meet Queen Elizabeth. Can I go see the queen, please? What is he gonna say to you? No, What if you just try and scoot around him and go in anyway? No, bad, don't do that. That's not gonna work out well for you. Why? You're a stranger. What happens if one of the queen's sons shows up? What happens if her niece shows up? What happens if a great grandkid shows up? Is the guard gonna say to them, no? No, the guard's gonna say, right this way, please. If you show up, the guard's gonna say no. If the queen's niece shows up, the guard's gonna say, go on in. Why? Why? family. Family has access that nobody else has. If the queen's great grandson comes running into a meeting with the prime minister one morning, the prime minister is going to have to wait. If you come running into a meeting with the queen and the prime minister one morning, you're going to get shot. Okay. Family matters. Family has access that no one else has has servants do not always get to see their masters worshipers do not always get to interact with their gods kids parents oh yeah you come and stay with me one night you're in my guest bedroom okay if for some reason at one in the morning you come upstairs wake me up and say to me jeff i'm cold and i need a drink what's gonna happen Assuming I'm at my best, I'm going to say to you, there are blankets in the closet and water magically comes out of taps. Go back to bed. Then I'm going to roll over and practice the part about forgive others as they have sinned against me, okay? And I may like you. You may be a huge benefactor to this church. You may give and serve and all these different things. I'm going to very politely say to you, go back to bed. It's one in the morning. What happens if Christina, my daughter, comes into my room at 1 a.m. and says to me, Dad, I'm cold and I'm thirsty. I get out of bed. I hug her. Maybe I rub her back and try and warm her up. I take her back to her bed. I wrap her up. I get a blanket. I ask her what she wants to drink. I go all the way downstairs and get whatever it is she wants. I bring it all the way back. I give her something to some drink. I make sure, Are you okay? Are you warm? Have you had enough to drink? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Can I get you anything else? Why? Why am I gonna tell you go back to bed and I am gonna jump up and do everything that this girl has asked me? She's my daughter. Like you don't even need to think about that. You know why it's true. She's my daughter. She has access to me, that none of you have family. Jesus says, when you pray, that's how you pray. You are a little kid going into his parents' room saying, I'm cold, I'm thirsty, I need help. And you know, you know your parent is gonna get up and help you. Because that's what they're like, because they're good and they're kind and they're generous. Jesus says, when you pray, that's how you need to pray. That's the very first thing that should be in your mind. That's the first word that should come out of your mouth. Because scripture says, if you follow Christ, if you have said to Jesus, save me, I can't save myself. If you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again, then you're his, and he calls you brother and sister. And for his sake, God the Father calls you child. You are adopted, the Bible says, you become the, literally the son or daughter of the most high God. You become literally a brother and sister of Jesus Christ. You are adopted into that family. And so when you come to God, you call him father because he is, because you have access. The Lord listens to everyone's prayers, just like if you came into my bedroom in the middle of the night, I would listen to you and then I would send you back to your room. But if you are his, then you have access like no one else. Jesus says, that's how you pray. That's how you start. That's the first word out of your mouth. Father, we are are family. You have access to him that others do not. And then he says, hallowed be your name. Again, we don't talk like this anymore. When's the last time you used the word hallowed? Just out of curiosity. It it just means may your name be holy. May your name be praised. He's just praising God. Jesus is saying, we say, Father, we line ourselves up, this is family, and then we have a sentence of praise to God. I mean, again, this is just one line out of three verses. It's not like it's 50% or 90% of his prayer, but wow, I have found this to be super helpful. Start your prayers with just a little bit of praise, just a little bit of thanks. Don't start with, I need, I'm worried about this in the past, I'm worried about this in the future, I'm worried about this. Absolutely do that. It's all there in verses three and four. You should absolutely tell him those things. I find it super helpful to start with, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. We lived in the Sahara Desert for several years. All rain is good rain. Thank you, God, for the rain. We we, we will die after a couple days without water. And oh, look, it falls from the sky. Thank you like just saying thank you to God, like thank you that the sun came up, thank you that you're kind and you're good. There are days, and you probably have all experienced it, there are days when that just flows out of us. There are days when it's so easy to just sit down and be grateful to God. There are days when it's not. I find the Psalms to be immensely helpful for that. Beginning of Psalm 119, the heavens declare the glory of God. Just read the first few verses Heck, he wrote it. He probably likes it when we read it to him. Read him the first few verses. The last five or six Psalms, they're all just praises of God. I mean, the whole thing over and over is just praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'll just read one of those. Something, something to get your mind focused, something to orient you, to remember who you're talking to and what he can do. Whatever you are asking for a little bit of praise will remind you that he is capable of doing it. You are not asking somebody who cannot help you. You are asking the sovereign Lord of life who spoke and put every star in the sky, 100 billion stars in our galaxy, 100 billion galaxies. Those are just the ones we can see. He just said it and it happened. Whatever you are asking, he can do it. Just orient ourselves right there at the beginning. Lord, Lord, may your name be praised. I praise your name. You are my God. You are my Father. Just orient ourselves with, with that line of praise. And then one more that Jesus gives us, your kingdom come. This is a place where Matthew's version is really helpful because this is one of the places where Jesus elaborates on what he means. He says in Matthew's version, your kingdom come, and you probably know it if you know the Lord's prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That in other words, this is a prayer of submission. Lord, we want what you want. What you want to have happen, that's what we want to have happen. We want your will, we want your kingdom. Because I'm gonna, right after this in Jesus' prayer, I'm gonna start praying for my kingdom. What I'm worried about today, what I'm worried about yesterday, what I'm worried about tomorrow, I'm gonna start praying for my kingdom next. It's just a really helpful idea to remind ourselves that at the end of the day, the best thing that can possibly happen for us and for the world is that God's kingdom happens. That God's will is done. Because God's will is always good. Paul says God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. It's good to remind ourselves that what God wants, if, if we have to choose between what we want and what God wants, we will find in the end what God wants is better. We will all agree to that. If you are a Christian, you have seen that. There are things you have begged God for, desperately that he do something. And then at some point later in the future, you're like, Oh, I see why he said no. That wouldn't have gone well, would it? We all have those experiences. We need to remind ourselves that what matters most is God's will. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come we align ourselves dallas willard wrote a book the divine conspiracy many many years ago but in it he redoes the lord's prayer sort of with his own words to make sense of how we'd say it today and i love how he starts because he says dear father always near us may your name be treasured and loved and i'll say that to myself sometimes lord lord who's always near me father May your name be treasured in love. May your kingdom come. I want what you want. Say that to God as you pray. I want what you want. Because what you want is best. And hey, full confession, I say that even when it's not true. Okay? Even when I want what I want, I want to want what he wants. So I pray it. It's an aspirational prayer. I want to want what you want rather than what I want, even though what I want is what I want now. He's good with that. He invented language. He can parse that out. It'll all work. We begin, Jesus says, we remember we're family. We remind ourselves of who we're talking to. We, We praise God. We submit. We remind ourselves that the best thing that can happen is that God's will is done. And then, wow, then dive into it. You got things you think you need today? Tell him. You got worries? You messed stuff up? You want it taken care of in the past? Tell him. You're worried about stuff in the future? Tell him. He wants to hear all of that. Now, if Jesus had quit there in verse four, in my opinion, that would be outstanding. I mean, that'll preach. Oh no, he doesn't stop there because he's Jesus and he can't help but stir the pot up. What does he do next? He has just... I mean, I find that just super encouraging, right? God's your father, he's powerful, he's gonna do his will on this earth. Ask him for whatever you want, like, this is awesome. Then what does he do? He tells a story. Imagine that you have a need, you have a need for bread. Just like he said, give us today our daily bread. You need bread, you don't have enough bread. So you go to your friend and you say, friend, who's obviously playing God in this little drama, friend, I need bread, right? Just like Jesus told you to. I need bread. And what does your friend say back to you? Go away. It's late. I'm not going to give it to you. I would never tell you that story to teach you to pray. Never. I mean, Jesus clearly needs an editor. Someone's got to tell him. But Jesus is going to tell us the truth. Whether we like it or not, When you pray, when you do everything he has just told you to do, do not be surprised if you hear nothing back. Do not be surprised if nothing happens. I need bread. And there's no bread. Do not be surprised. Jesus says that's what happens. And then look at verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, the NIV says, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity is one word in what Luke wrote. It's a great word. It never appears anywhere else in the Bible. And if you say that to someone back in his world, you're gonna get punched in the nose. It is a mean, mean word. It is not... Good. In a law court, it's the place you stand when you want the book thrown at somebody. If, if you're convicted of murder in a Greek court, the penalty is death. But if the accused, the person who's, who's, you know, whose family or whatever was killed, agrees, then you, you can pay some money. You can become their slave. There's ways you cannot die. If you're the aggrieved party and you want that guy to be killed you go and stand in the place that Jesus just said. You're like, no way, throw the book at him. I don't know what, I mean, presumably Jesus is talking to his disciples in Aramaic. That would have been their daily language. Luke is, translates it into Greek for his audience. I don't know what Jesus said in Aramaic, but wow, did Luke translate it into a mean, nasty word. Your shameless audacity. Uh, uh, this one, you know, what are we going to do with this in the Bible? You know what? The ESV says your impudence, the NASB says your shamelessness. My personal favorite is the Christian uh, this is the Holman Christian Standard, your annoying persistence. This word means you're a jerk. You want him I mean in a law court it means you want him dead. You will accept nothing less than death. I mean, this is a mean word. This is just keep at it. Be a total jerk to God. Give him no rest. I heard a, a podcast. i talking with a pastor. He's from a, a charismatic church. and a, a woman in his church has just died that had the gift of healing. So she would pray for people and they would get healed. And the, the guy was asking the pastor about this woman and her gift. The pastor laughed and said, she didn't have the gift of healing. She had the gift of being a pain in the butt. She would pray to God and she would hound him and she would shame him and she would embarrass him until he gave her what she asked for to shut her up. She didn't have the gift of healing. She had this. She had shameless audacity, annoying persistence. When you pray and you hear nothing, yep, Jesus says you can expect that. That's normal. That doesn't mean God isn't listening. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. He doesn't tell us why. What it means is you ask again, and you ask again, and you ask again, and you keep asking until he tells you, stop asking. Or he does it. You keep asking. You are shameless. You are annoying. You are a complete bozo. You just go after him. Jesus says. Again, I would never tell you to pray like that. Except that he tells you to pray like that. Be a jerk to God when you pray, Jesus says. You go after him, you hound him, you give him no rest. You just keep asking. He has another place, he tells almost the same story about a woman trying to get justice from a judge. And the judge, who is God in the story, is an unjust jerk, Again, I would not tell stories like that about God. But, you know, Jesus is allowed that sort of thing. You go after God, Jesus says, because Jesus says, I'm telling you, if you ask, you will get it. But sometimes you gotta keep asking. If you seek, you will find it, but you gotta seek and seek and seek. And if you knock, that door will be opened. But don't think you're just gonna do a... And that's all it's gonna take. You get in there for the long haul. And you don't stop until that door opens, Jesus says. You go after him. And then he says what is probably the most audacious thing he has said yet. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? I mean, of course, you know, God's not gonna give you something bad. He's not gonna do something bad. You're not gonna ask for something good and he's gonna give you something bad. If you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now put yourself in their place. These are first century Jews. They don't have the Spirit, they don't know anybody who has the Spirit. They've never met anyone in their lifetime who has God's Spirit. If you go through what we call the Old Testament, what they called the Bible, their scriptures, it's about 2,000 years from Abraham to them. In that 2,000 years, you can count on both your hands the number of times someone had God's spirit. And there's only a couple that had it long term, Moses and David. They don't have the Holy Spirit they're not going to get the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit only comes on people it comes on extraordinary people for extraordinary events Samson is the judge the ruler of Israel and he's walking down the road and a lion jumps at him and the Holy Spirit comes on him and he catches the lion by the mouth and just rips him right in half and then spirit leaves Because the Spirit doesn't stay. It just comes on you for whatever it needs to do. There's an army approaching Jerusalem in the time of King Jehoshaphat. And it's massive. It's 10 times the size of their army. And the Spirit of God came upon a prophet. And he stood up and he said, you will not need to fight this, Israel. Just go stand on the hill and watch God work. So they did. They went and stood on the hill and they watched these guys kill each other completely. Because God just stirred them all up against one another. And then the Spirit left the prophet. Nobody gets the Holy Spirit. You don't ask for the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. It comes on very important people for very important reasons. To ask for the Holy Spirit puts you, it's like saying, I'm gonna be like Moses. I'm gonna be like David. This is the most audacious, most arrogant thing I think any Jew in the first century could ask God for because it just, again, it never happens. It's so rare. And Jesus says to them, this is your God. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll get it. That's nuts. No one would ever ask for that. And you would never get it. Nobody gets it. Uh, Ah, God, make me like Moses. Make me as good as David. Make me great like Solomon. Make me rich and important. Give me the Holy Spirit is way more than that. You are never going to get that. And Jesus just flat out says, absolutely. That's the kind, that's your God, that's your father. If you ask for the most audacious thing you can think of, you'll get it, Jesus says. But you are going to have to keep asking. We all know we need to pray we probably all know we need to pray more. We know we need to do what Jesus did, which is that he regularly went off and prayed. I mean, I know, we're pro- I hope you're throwing prayers up and you're, you're open to God's spirit and all those kind of things, but we need times in our life regularly, just like re- I'd say, read your Bible every day. Times in the day when you pray, and I'm not talking about six hours. I'm talking about 10 minutes or 15 or whatever it takes you to sit down, calm yourself, maybe read a Psalm, remind yourself, okay, Lord, everything I asked for at the end of the day, I want what you want. If this isn't good, don't do it. But here's what I got going on. And then you tell him. I mean, he already knows, but then you tell him. Because there's this weird verse in James that says, you know, a lot of you guys don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask. I came across this poem as I was researching this. I thought it was funny I'd share it with you. I got up early one morning and I rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I cried. And God answered, you didn't ask. I think that's our experience lots of times. Stuff just comes at us in the day. And we're like, God, where are you? Well, you didn't ask him. You didn't ask him to be in your day You didn't ask him to take care of yesterday. You didn't tell him you were worried about this thing coming up. Ask. Just set aside a few minutes in the day to do what Jesus says here. Like, Lord, Father, thank you for all your goodness in my life. At the end of the day, I want what you want. I'm really worried about this. Would you take care of it? And then move on in your day. And if he doesn't do anything, ask him again. And expect him, if he would give you the Holy Spirit at this time, oh, he'll give you everything. Now, we're going to have some opportunities to practice that. We told you we're trying to make this practical. So as Tim said, this Wednesday, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to do what's called a concert of prayer Meaning, I'm, I'm going to direct you in different ways to pray. We're going to pray about different things. We'll pray alone. In some cases, we'll pray together. You can pray with the people that came with you. Like, we'll just work our way through. We'll practice praying. We have a prayer meeting every Sunday in the conference room down by the kitchen at 9.15. If you feel like, I don't know how to pray, then just come to that and keep your mouth shut. And listen. Listen, other people will pray. Listen to how they pray. Prayer, you know, it's one of those things probably best learned by doing. So come do it with us on Sunday mornings at 9.15. Come in again. You don't got to open your mouth if you don't feel like you can do that yet. Just listen, learn, set aside a little time each day just to practice, just to say these things. Hey, you know, use what Jesus says. Use his words and and his pattern to, to walk yourself and prepare yourself for the day. But be deliberate like Christ was. Now, let's practice. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are kind. Thank you that you are our God. Thank you that you, you left us the Bible. This happened 2,000 years ago. We'd never know it. If it just got passed down, we would never have the wealth that you have left us in the thousands of pages of Scripture. Thank you. We, we affirm that you are our God, Jesus. We affirm that at the end, We want what you want. That your will is the best thing that can happen to this planet. That that we want the things that you want. And so Jesus, we pray that your kingdom would come here on earth. We pray for your kingdom to be here and to be real at Dunwoody Community Church. But Lord, you know we have concerns. We have concerns about today. We have worries about stuff we messed up yesterday We have worries about things that are coming at us in the future, tomorrow. So Jesus, I'm gonna be quiet for a minute and I'm gonna let all my brothers and sisters in their minds talk to you and tell you the things that they are concerned about. And then Lord, we'll take communion and we'll worship you again. thank you that you are our God. Thank you that you listen. Thank you that, that, yeah, Jesus says you would even give us the Holy Spirit, something that only a handful of men and women ever experienced until your death and resurrection, until you poured out your Spirit on all of us. Thank you that you are that generous. We pray all this in your name, Jesus, because we are yours. Amen.